I can't imagine what it must be like to be about seven or eight now. I mean, I was seven or eight, 1978. The world was a bit of a scary place. We talked about nuclear war and things like that. I had questions. I think the first news story I ever heard was about Jim Jones and Guyana. I had lots of questions from my parents about that one. Uh, but, you know, we used to sit around. We used to watch the news together. We used to listen to the radio together. And your parents were often there to talk about the things that were uh, that you were watching, at least was sort of a family thing. Nowadays, of course, everyone has access to all kinds of imagery um, all the time. And it can be more difficult. And we're coming out of a pandemic, uh, obviously, or we're, we're in the middle of still in a pandemic. So if you're a child and you've lived through the sort of the, the scariness of being in a pandemic, um, and now you're faced with images of war from a place far away, uh, but still images nonetheless that you're seeing a lot of these days, hearing a lot about these days. Well, it can be a lot for any of us to take in, honestly, but especially for kids. So how do you explain something that most of us find fairly inexplicable to children? Thanks. And joining me now is Dr. Nicole Racine, clinical psychologist and po postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Calgary and at the Alberta Children's Hospital Research Institute. She's also the co-author of a recent article about how to talk to children about the invasion of Ukraine and why those conversations are important. Thanks so much for being here tonight, Dr. Racine. Thanks, Ben. I mean, it's. I think everybody has been overwhelmed the past month or so with just the sheer kinds of images we've been seeing, if, if not the pandemic, uh, that we had the blockades, now we have this a war going on. It must all be so, um, I mean, it's overwhelming for the best of us, but for kids, it must be particularly stressful trying to make sense of what is essentially, um, you know, something you can't really make sense of. Yeah, I think that is a fair description of what seems to be, seems to be going on. And I think, uh, you know, many people who I have talked to have said it feels like already so much has happened in 2022. And I think, you know, having a bit of a sense of how do we talk to our kids about this, uh, you know, as, as parents, but also as a psychologist myself, I found myself actually really grappling with this question and trying to think about, you know, what are the discussions that we need to be having and, and what do we say? I guess that's the challenge. And, and you've mentioned this in the article that you wrote, uh, an excellent article um, about talking to your kids about the invasion of Ukraine and why it's important. And one of them is that just the sheer amount of images that are now available to be seen, that you don't even really know what people are, are absorbing and, and, and what, what the confusion would be about. Yes, and I think that is one of the main distinctions between experiences of children and youth in the past and children and youth today with major world conflicts. Certainly, we know, you know, children today are not the first generation of children uh, to be alive and and to exist while wars are happening. I think what is really different is uh, the way that we obtain information. So perhaps in the past, you know, you sat at home at night and you listened to the radio or each day the newspaper was delivered and there was a picture on the front and you saw that. And now I think the level, the moment by moment information and also uh, the visuals are much more significant. And so I think, you know, the idea that most children have probably uh, seen uh, information probably seen pictures or videos related to the war in Ukraine at this point, I think is very accurate. And then children also are accessing information themselves. 
Um, many through uh, different social media platforms like TikTok and Snapchat. And, you know, we highlighted a little bit about some of the concern with that because there's a lot of misinformation and also, and which is targeted, it's intentional misinformation. And so this is another really important reason to talk to our kids. I remember, of course, in the old days, you know, I'm thinking back to the 70s when I was growing up, I mean, as a little child. Um, if something horrific happened, you often sat with your parents in front of the TV. So you'd sort of get that explanation in real time about what was happening. Whereas now I imagine because it's happening more in isolation, that makes it that much more difficult. What is the importance you think, or what did you find to be the importance to have this conversation with children and youth? Because that's what the title of the article was. It is important to have these conversations. Yeah. So I think, you know, as a, as a researcher, I, Dove, you know, I dove into well, what's the evidence for this, right? Why should we actually talk to our kids about this? And the reality is, there's some nice, sophisticated studies that show that when you have a supportive discussion after a stressful event, it actually decreases your distress. So you're less stressed after having those discussions. And um, other research shows that in families where there are more uh, families that are more expressive about what is happening, more expressive about emotions. Uh, though kids in those families perceive less threat uh, related to a stressor. So um, that can kind of be summed up in a bit of a name it to tame it idea where um, if we talk about something with people who are supportive, people who listen to us and help us make sense of what's going on, um, it actually helps us to feel better. So that's the number one reason for having the discussion uh, with our kids uh, and the second is to, like I said, to combat some of that misinformation because, um, you know, you can ask your your kids, so, you know, what have you seen? What have you heard? Um, and help them to understand that. And then if we take a bit of a step back and are thinking about, well, what do we want our kids to learn from this? Uh, what do we want them to take away? And And some of it is actually, you know, around being compassionate towards others. Uh, who are in a really challenging situation, and then maybe even being aware of people in our immediate environments, like neighbors, uh, like friends at school, who might really be having a hard time because they have family members in Ukraine, or, you know, that's where they were born. Or even I imagine kids who come from other parts of the world who've had to flee conflict who suddenly have to kind of relive it as they see it unfold in another country. And, I, you know, I've seen lots of that, too, on social media, um, you know, people talking about um, how deeply triggering this is uh, when, you know, these are circumstances um, where they've come from. And, you know, there's a lot of media attention towards this uh, conflict in particular, uh, but certainly um, there are other world conflicts going on and that have been going on in the past where very similar types of things are occurring. And so... I think this really brings these experiences to the forefront. I'm speaking with Dr. Nicola Arasin, clinical psychologist and postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Calgary and the Alberta's Alberta rather Children's Hospital Research Institute, and co-author of a recent article called "How to Talk to Children About the Invasion of Ukraine and Why Those Conversations Are Important." Um, you did mention that there has to be an, obviously a different approach depending on age and sophistication. It's it's absolutely necessary. Uh, to take into account uh, age and sophistication of the person you're speaking to. Yes. And so, you know, we know that for children under the age of about five or six years of age, 
you know, their ability to understand uh, some of these concepts or understand war might be quite limited. And um, the risk in talking about things in detail with them is actually um, that because they can't necessarily conceptualize uh, what's happening, that it may be actually quite frightening um, for them. And so in those situations, we recommend um, if your child asks you a pointed question to answer um, in a you know matter of fact way, you don't need to provide a lot of detail. Um, or you might just consider having a very brief conversation. The, the, at that age, um, this might not necessarily be something that uh, if you know they haven't been exposed to a lot of information about it, that may not necessarily phase them. Um, whereas with the older older children, school age children, adolescents, um, you can have a more uh, in depth conversation with them about it. And I think one of the things that's most challenging about this particular circumstance is sometimes it's easier for us to talk about things that make sense. Um, it's easier for us to talk about things where it feels like there's a logical explanation about why something's happening, and that's less clear here. And so you know, it's also okay to say you don't know, um, or you're not sure. Um, but following it up always with the, the reassurance that adults and leaders in the world are going to do their best to keep kids safe, and that you as their parent will always do your best to keep them safe. Are there any don'ts in this? So one thing that we really want people to be mindful of, I guess, two things. The first is, and and this is hard, uh, is being aware of the media exposure. So I think, you know, the tendency to have, you know, the news live streaming every moment constantly on, especially when kids are around or at home, uh, you know, that can, it can be stressful to have that. And so we really want to try to minimize uh, the exposure. Another might be um, having adult conversations, for example, you know, um, talking about nuclear war and things like that in front of kids or when they're present, or you think they're playing in the background, but they're really listening because kids are always listening. They like have like little antennas. Uh, they just perk up and can pick up adult conversation. And then lastly, I think I would say, make sure that you're in a calm and, um, okay place yourself before you engage in the conversation because certainly if you're feeling very stressed escalated worried um it, it may not be as easy to have a, a level level-headed conversation with your child given all the i mean this is just as an adult it takes time to try and process all the things that we've been talking about even the last this year in 2022 so far so the pandemic of course continuing uh the blockades uh the war in ukraine climate change, is, is there a way that one, should you always be looking out for what your children are concerned about without them necessarily ever saying it out loud? Yeah, I mean, I think there are, you know, opportunities to have discussions with your kids that don't need to be, you know, we're going to sit down at the table and we're explicitly going to talk about what's happening in Ukraine. I think you, you know, um, having built-in opportunities where you spend time together uh, whether that's, you know, right before bedtime or on the drive somewhere in the car where you can just ask, you know, kind of check in, how are you doing? What are you thinking about? What are things that are happening at school? What are kids talking about at school? And you can get a bit of a sense of them, but I think more so than ever, because we're living in challenging times, uh, you know, we need to have, uh, be open to those dialogues. Dr. Essen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it tonight.
Uh, you're most welcome. <laughs>